Welcome to Business Ninjas, brought to you by Write For Me, where you'll hear from business leaders who are out there growing their business and slaying it every day. Learn from the masters. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Business Ninjas. I'm here today with Ryan Andrews. He's the co-founder at Reuse It. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kelsey. I appreciate you having me on here. Yeah, excited to have you. So, Ryan, why don't you start and just tell me a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Ryan Andrews, um, like she said, co-founder of Reuse It. I um, started this company with my brother back in 2010 and uh, been really, it's been a great relationship. I'm more of the business front end um, entrepreneur trying to innovate and create new new uh, pathways for our company over the years. And my brother would go around and support and, and take care of the things that I would end up promising. So uh, a serial entrepreneur at heart um, along the years uh, beyond reuse it, I've, I've created and helped um, other businesses get off the ground and uh, a father of, of five-year-old twins. And wow. yeah, so doing this while building a company, uh, having the twins, uh, I'm not sure which one has taken more time and energy <laughs> at this point, but uh, it's been fun. And, and I, you know, I'm energetic business owner. Uh, I think that's that's been really the um, the solution to to our success. It's just get going after it. Yeah, yeah, that grind. That's great. So, you know, I, I think it's fantastic the history about you being, you know, a serial entrepreneur, kind of that grind that you have to start reuse it with your brother. So, tell me, tell me more about reuse it. Yeah, so we entered this industry early on, um, like I said, 2010, more as your kind of typical what you'd see in this industry, buying and selling laboratory equipment. Uh, our father had done it at a very small scale when we were kids. So we were always around this stuff. And and so um, when he got sick and my brother uh, kind of lost his, his career path during, you know, the... 2008 situations mm-hmm. um he you know said hey what, why don't we do what, what dad did a little bit and so we we started just buying and selling laboratory equipment but quickly started talking more with our clients about their pain points understanding what they really want versus what the typical markets affording them and giving them as a service um, and so we decided early on to shift things uh, completely, give more value back to our customer mm-hmm. by understanding the pain points around their, their surplus. And uh, through the years, we were able to fine tune a set of programs and, and technologies and services that addressed some of our, our larger clients. Um, we were lucky enough to, to start a, a relationship with Thermo Fisher about 10 years ago. And they're such a big company, it was easy for us to, not what's say easy, but the access we had to learn what they needed mm-hmm. uh, was there. And so we were able to build and kind of beta test as we were building along the, along the way to really address all of their surplus problems. And, you know, today it's, uh, you know, a global um, operation uh, and solution for for a company of that size, mm-hmm. uh, we were able to say, well, really anybody's uh, would would benefit from this approach mm-hmm. and uh, have a true surplus asset management strategy and program mm-hmm. versus your customary, you know, buy and sell um, mm-hmm. liquidation models. And so mm-hmm. that's how we 
we became was really just listening to our client and then finding solutions and then offering them up. Really interesting. So when you're talking about your clients, it sounds like it's primarily businesses that you work with. Yes. I mean, well, we have two sides, right? So okay. um, we have, you know, what we will call, let's call it a provider, mm -hmm. right? So this is uh, assets that come into, surplus has to come into the program and to reuse its marketplace comes from our providers, people who have equipment who don't no longer need them. Um, I mean, everything is business to business. And so the end users um, or users would be the people acquiring the equipment or using the equipment to uh, the second, third, fourth rendition of, of, mm. of that life cycle. And so, um, yeah, our clients are the ones that that experience the, the full technology and services mm. and the end users are there to reap the benefits of our of our circular program and mm. and how uh, it reduces the cost of procurements for them mm -hmm. and gives them more access to surplus that they can utilize and get projects up and running. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you know, over the course of reuse its you know growth through through growing as a company, what are some of the ways that reuse it has been able to differentiate itself from its competition, kind of in that in that B two B space? Yeah, um, we created uh, a technology. Uh, we call it just a reuse it marketplace. It's essentially something we're able to onboard into all of our clients, um, you know, interwebs. Mm -hmm. And so they can they can securely sign on. They know it's a place they can go, access their inventory, redeploy it, um, ask for sourcing or, or ask for a pickup or, or a project from that one portal. Um why we do that is is we wanted to create an easy button, and this is what differentiates from anybody else is that we've created an easy button for surplus, mm -hmm. but also been able to create to be able to track the data that necessary that people want to see. You know, mm -hmm. um, we we typically have four main pillars that that we are monitoring. Obviously, there's a lot, but uh, capital recovery is a is a is a big focus for you know the customary out there where. They're like, hey, I know this stuff, you know, cost me money to begin with. I should be able to get something back. So that's never lost in, in a surplus asset strategy is the, is the approach to, to retrieve capital. Um, cost avoidances and cost savings are probably one of our most unique uh, differentiators is the fact that we are able to upload all of our our assets and under management from all of our clients into our one database, allowing for a quicker, um, a quicker transaction from providers to users. And so the faster that we can do that, the, mm -hmm. the less hands in between, which means there's, there's less margin and there's more opportunity for the end users to pick up equipment for, for a better price and the mm -hmm. providers to get a better end user price. Mm -hmm. So we went through that process. Um, and then landfill avoidance is, is one of our pillars of, of value systems where we're tracking the, the sustainable in carbon offsets, sustainability mm -hmm. impacts done uh, through all, all, all our activity, you know, reduction in logistics and um, storage costs, um, recycling recoveries, uh, as well as what, what the impacts of reuse is versus recycling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, you know, why do you think it's so important that businesses work with companies, you know, like, like reuse it, reuse it specifically? Yeah, it's, 
it's a waste stream. I mean, for most companies that don't use, uh, a, don't apply a surplus asset strategy, mm-hmm. it's become a waste stream. And, um, you know, we do have uh, many clients now, not as many as we, we intend to have, but there's still a lot of problems out there with surplus. Mm-hmm. And the, it, there's a, there's a, there's a 10 hours of circularity mm-hmm. that we apply to our program and why we employ to other uh, organizations that they must put something together mm-hmm. that does better than just storage, recycling, or or liquidation. Mm-hmm. Um, those models are really low on sustainability impacts. Immediate reuse being the most sustainable on the on the circularity priority list. And so we we really honed in on 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 ISO standards around this program as well as an ISO standard uh, 55,001 that um, talks about how to handle your surplus in the, in the best, best practices way. Mm -hmm. And um, so when we built our, our program, we knew that there was nothing else out there like it. And still today, there's really nothing there. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we, we, we tell people you could have a a program that not only answers the pain points that you experience, Mm -hmm. but also does it, in delivering a positive ROI. So all the money you spend with us and on us and all the programs and everything we do comes back in, 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 in a positive manner. Um, and, and then the, the cherry on the top is, is the sustainability aspects of what we do and the data that we provide for that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you raised a really great point in, in, kind of that, that dialogue that you just had talking about the pain points um, and, you know, why, why businesses need to, you know, adopt, you know, uh, a way to, you know, like, like you said, recycle. So what would you say the biggest challenge um, is for companies for why they don't, you know, uh, adopt, you know, circular economy principles? What, what would you say that would be? It typically end of life is end of mind. Right. So people aren't thinking that, you know, their job is to to utilize the equipment to do their job. Mm-hmm. Once they're done using that equipment, they need to go back and do it with another process. Mm-hmm. So it becomes this afterthought and the end of life assets just don't get the attention that, you know, best practices are, are made across all organizations with you know supply chain mm-hmm. utilizations uh management in use mm-hmm. but the moment it becomes out of use it kind of gets set uh set aside to the to just a waste stream and mm-hmm. um so it's really important that that organizations start looking at their surplus as an opportunity mm-hmm. um, especially equipment manufacturers right when you talk about circularity Mm-hmm. You want to look at you want to look at opportunities to extend uh, the useful life of assets as much as possible. In a manufacturing setting, you have you have the opportunity to do parts harvesting. You have the opportunity to keep a few cycles going. A refurbishment, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not unknown. As, as a few as a few manufacturers already, you know, deploying a, a, a circular model around around capturing their returns processes and finding a secondary market mm-hmm. of, of refurbishment buyers. And that's great, um, but there it can continue from there. It doesn't have to stop at the refurb. There's another level below it um, that allows, allows equipment to be, continue to be used until it hits you know, the final use, what we call last life, 
Um, and even at that point, we have a program that takes assets that are really destined to recycling at that point and puts them in places like art installations, museums, children's, children's uh, you know, labs, um, and even TV and film, uh, where we can keep an asset doesn't need to function the way it used to, it still looks cool, um, and it keeps an asset out of the landfill. All of these efforts are part of a circular effort um, to, to keep assets in use as long as possible. And I think every organization needs to and will start to have that, uh, you know, put on them. I think that's brilliant. I hadn't thought about kind of how once it gets, again, you were talking about the end of the life, you know, that's brilliant being able to incorporate it and continue to get more life out of, you know, different products. I think that's fantastic and so interesting. I never even thought about like art museums or children's labs. I think that's fascinating. So kind of pivoting a little bit, Ryan, what would you say the most significant misconception in the industry is? Okay. So I'm, I'll talk two different industries, right? Yeah. So uh, because we, we touch point on a surplus asset management program, mm -hmm. and then we also still sell laboratory equipment. So mm -hmm. I'll talk, I'll touch quickly on the laboratory equipment portion and sales of that, right? Cause we still, it's, it's a symptom of the program we run. We sell laboratory equipment. Um, it's not our main function. It's just a symptom of, of it. And it, and it helps fund mm -hmm. the rest of it. One of the, the largest, uh, misconceptions that I've found in this industry so far, why we built reuse it the way we built it was because the the kind of standard offering out there are are two basic offerings. There's a a, a broker reseller where they're buying low and selling high, right? They're they're identifying the same first pain point, which is get this stuff out of my way. They know this. And so they're they're just they're just giving the person a check and saying, here's what it's worth. And thank you and goodbye. Mm -hmm. Now, they've been able to do this for many years. And so it's established this, this purchase market where the providers are really not getting the full value that they could. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's our mission to, to give more access and more, more um, insight into the value of their equipment so they can make great decisions on what they want to do next. Uh, the second, the second in the market is a, is an auction platform, which is um, a little bit slower than a direct purchase, but fast fast enough usually for a site to be like, okay, we'll take that deal. There's you know a typical approach where it's a, it's a split of the value, and then the auction house states that they they are representing the market because whoever's buying on that particular auction is what they call the market. Um, I have found that a majority of the buyers on those mar on those auction markets are are resellers. So what you're doing is you're disconnecting the providers to the end users, and you're adding more um, points in between, and that's going to add margin, which means that the end user is receiving a mm -hmm. higher end price than than the provider of equipment would have been able to give it to them uh, mm -hmm. for no reason. So. What we're what we're doing is we're connecting the providers and users faster, so that way uh, there is no margin gain between, and the providers are getting more money for what they what they want, and the end users are being able to procure for cheaper at the same mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's those are the two things where I think understanding the value of your surplus and what what's really there for you at your organization, what kind of sustainability information you'll be able to get. 
that's what people don't understand yet mm -hmm. because they've been so used to the customary models. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's really interesting, Ryan. So, you know, say we have, you know, people who are listening who, you know, want to explore, reuse it for, you know, their, their company, where can they go to learn more? Yeah, you go to uh, reuseit.com. Uh, we also have a YouTube Vimeo channel. Um, we have an Instagram that's kind of fun. We try to do something a little differently and just, just have a little more fun than, than most of our competitors in the space. And um, yeah, but, uh, you know, go to reuseit.com that you can follow um, you know, really anything you can look into. We, we, we posted a white paper last year on the impacts of reuse versus recycling. Mm -hmm. I think that's really important. Um, people can go on there, read that if they want, make some assumptions about the waste streams they're aware of that they're doing and, and then talk to us and see what we think we can be done. We have a lot more papers coming out in the next uh, the next few months and uh, doing deeper data dives and, and research into some of the impacts that we've made. And so just follow us and, and keep an eye on us. And, and we're always here to do a free assessment of how you're handling your surplus today and give you advice, whether it's coming on board with Reuse It or it might be as simple as us just helping you out and, and showing you what um, what you could do differently and what you can add. Brilliant, brilliant. That's fantastic. And I love that, you know, you're able to start off adding value right out of the gate saying, hey, let's do this assessment. Let's see where you're at and see what Reuse yeah. It can do for you. So, Ryan, I think this has been a great conversation. As we start to wrap up, is there anything that you want to leave our listeners with? I think, it, you know, to to really hit some of the today's sustainability goals and and in circularity, and we're talking about zero waste, carbon offsets, we have to have a mentality shift. Uh, people have to to move to a reuse before we buy. If you can, if you can shift even at a personal level, um, from a from a rebuy standpoint into a reuse, look for every opportunity to reuse your stuff, uh, whether it's at your organization, at your house, wherever, you're going to help an impact in uh, in these goals, in these global goals that are happening today. And uh, that's what I would leave someone with is, is, is don't worry so much about every, every little thing, but just have a reuse mentality and um, you'll be making a positive impact. That's fantastic. Well, Ryan, like I said, this was a great conversation. I appreciate your insights into, you know, surplus asset management, all, you know, the difference between you tapped into it a little bit, you know, the difference between recycling and, you know, reusing. I think it's been fantastic. And I really appreciate you being on Business Ninjas today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah, great it. to have you. Great to have you. Hey, are you a business ninja? Want to be interviewed like this? Give us a shout. Go to www.writeforme.io. W-R-I-T-E-F-O-R-M-E dot I-O and schedule a time to meet with us and we'll make it happen. Keep slaying it, y'all.